Okay, 1960, there's a big arms deal with the Soviet Union and Indonesia to help the Indonesians be able to oust the Dutch from Netherlands, New Guinea. If you see NNG on these PowerPoints or West Irian or West Papua, this is what we're talking about for a lot of this uh, whole series is the fate of West Papua, which is the big island you can see right here. And this is where a whole lot of gold was discovered, but not exploited, kept secret, along with massive oil deposits as well, discovered in 1941 that were not exploited. And this, this is uh, the sort of hidden uh, subtext to all of this, which only a privileged few people know about. So 1961, you have a new president taking office, and it's not Eisenhower, it's John Kennedy, and he's inheriting the director of central intelligence from the previous administration, Alan Dulles, the guy who had been the lawyer for Sullivan Cromwell. At Sullivan and Cromwell, he was a lawyer, and he handled Standard Oil's activities in East Asia, and he helped to establish this company that discovered the huge gold mine. Uh, and so he is aware of this uh, massive, massive gold mine in West Papua that Kennedy is not aware of, and that even Sukarno, who is the head of state of Indonesia post-independence, he's also not aware of this. So a lot is up for grabs, and Kennedy is kind of blindly trying to create a good policy here, but without crucial facts uh, that he would need to really be in full command of the situation. So at this point, Kennedy doesn't know, Sukarno doesn't know, the Dutch who are about to be ousted, some of the higher-ups know about the gold. Dulles obviously does. Um, and then the UN Hammerskold really have no idea about it either. So most people in this situation are completely uh, oblivious to the fact that they're sitting on what we're calling El Dorado. Yeah, Is there anybody else I'm forgetting that knows or doesn't know that would be important? The, the Rockefeller group, because of the company, the Dutch uh, elites, presumably Prince Bernard and then other people like Prime Minister Lunds would know about it. But mm -hmm. no, nobody had any interest in spilling the beans on this. The Dutch didn't, because if they could somehow get away, have a way of dealing with it, of getting control of it, maintaining control of it, it would be a huge windfall for them. But if not, then they would re then they still need to maintain their alliance with the United States. So they, they, it didn't really behoove them. The, the only thing that could happen to the Dutch is they could lose it. There's no way that having more people know about that would help their cause. And so it's this really bizarre secret that everybody has an interest in keeping. Uh, and right. it comes really to screw over some people down the yeah. road. So in our first video, we have a whole section in the middle of the first video about this policy of concealment and how they were able to keep this uh, relative secret for like 25, 30 years. So check that out if you haven't already. Okay, so background for this are also going on at the same time is the Congo crisis and the assassination of Patrice Lumumba, which was recently written about in maybe The Guardian uh, as as the most important consequential assassination of the 20th century. And the, the, the backstory here is that after independence, uh, you should, very quickly after independence, you have the Congo crisis in July of 1960. And these Belgians who have been colonizing and dominating the country for a very, very long time, for more than a century, they revolt. And one guy, one of the top figures in this revolt, General Janssen's, 
he sums up what the Belgian approach is going to be to independent Congo. And he writes this on a blackboard. He writes before independence equals after independence. So this is about as explicit a formulation of neocolonialism as an official objective uh, as you'll ever be able to find. And the, the, early on, they set up, they attempt to set up an independent breakaway state that has a whole lot of resources in Congo called uh, Katanga. So they attempt to have this secessionist movement to break Katanga apart, put in a puppet government that'll allow for you know, colonialism or neocolonialism to persist. So as a result of this, in response, you get the United Nations operation in the Congo. Uh, but they're, they're not authorized to really uh, quell unrest with a lot of resources at their disposal. But the U.S. under Eisenhower would really only uh, allow for a Congo stabilization to be done by the United Nations. And so this is the way that it played out. The U.N. is trying to fix this Congo crisis. Lumumba himself goes to New York City to meet with Dag Hammarskjöld, the Secretary General of the United Nations. And also related to this and around the same time, Alan Dulles orders Lumumba's assassination as an urgent and prime objective. Alan Dulles is the head of the CIA under Alan Dulles, I mean, I'm sorry, under Eisenhower, and he's a corporate lawyer, kind of the, the pinnacle of the <laughs> American deep state as it was emerging at the time. So this relationship between the clandestine services and corporate America personified by Alan Dulles. These are the kind of people that created the CIA in the first place in order for them to carry on with advancing the interests of their corporate multinational clients, but doing so from the position of you know, state omnipotence, really, uh, when it comes down to it for the U.S. You really didn't misspeak, though. There is no one that Dulles answers to at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there. I think there are people he answers to, but it's not. The, it's not necessarily the president. Like it's so it, he's 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 able to carry these things out because he has the sanction of the pinnacle of power in the United States. So in a way, he's kind of running things uh, in this in this realm. But presumably, he he's answering to people outside of the official chain of command. Just presumably he is answering to the same people that he was answering to at Sullivan Cromwell. Right. Uh, doesn't mean the senior people at Sullivan Cromwell. I mean, the biggest multinational corporate interests in the world. Yeah. He's not accountable really to anybody in government, I guess is what we should say. Right. right. That will so soon I, change though. <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> so on September 14th, as, you, as, as we know, September 14th of 1960, you get a coup in which CIA asset Joseph Mobuto uh, takes over uh, political control of Congo with Lumumba still there as a potential as the elected you know uh, prime minister of Congo, the first elected prime minister of Congo ever. Uh, this is an illegitimate coup, but it's backed by the U.S. Dulles has ordered Lumumba's assassination. It's really authorized. This is actually authorized by Eisenhower. At least that's what the historical rec records suggest. This comes out in the 1975 Church Committee, and I think it was declassified for until the JFK Records Act uh, that this was that this was the case. But someone had taken notes during this meeting to the effect that Eisenhower authorized this sort of an outburst. He just said, "Why don't we just kill this guy?" Something to that effect, and that was the way that Alan Dulles was able to get authorization to 
kill Lumumba. Um, on, so Lumumba gets captured on November 24th, and he's assassinated shortly after that in July, July, July 17th. So he's actually captured after Kennedy has won the election in 1960 and then assassinated. A lot of people familiar with this case believe that the, operate, the urgency to capture Lumumba and, and assassinate him quickly, that this was a result of Kennedy's taking office because people knew Kennedy had a more charitable plan towards the Congo, that he didn't want to continue the Dean Atchis and Alan Dulles neocolonialism that he supported third world nationalists like Lumumba. And mm-hmm. so when Kennedy did hear of the assassination of Lumumba, there's this famous picture of Kennedy getting the news. And it just so happened that there was a photographer in the house who was supposed to be taking pictures of the new president. Kennedy gets this call from Adlai Stevenson, even though Dulles already knew about this and was Kennedy's central intelligence uh, director and was supposed to keep Kennedy appraised of all important, relevant political activities and developments in the world. He didn't tell Kennedy. So Kennedy hears about it from Adelaide Stevenson, the U.S. uh, representative at the U.N., and he's very upset about this. So this is Kennedy very upset about a policy that Eisenhower had specifically uh, authorized before. So you see this is a dramatic illustration of the difference between uh, Kennedy and Eisenhower. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire.